Hello and welcome to the number 10 podcast, where we talk about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. I'm your host, Logan Agan. On today's episode, I interviewed Barry Rice. Barry played soccer at the University of Kentucky before he signed a professional contract with D.C. United. On this episode, he shares a little bit of his story, explains some of the challenges of going from college to the professional level, and much more. Now for my interview with Barry Rice. Thanks for joining me, Barry. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, uh, me on and excited to talk to you. Yeah. Um, so just how are things, first of all, just amid everything going on? You know, things have been actually pretty, pretty good for me um, with all the craziness. Nothing's really changed for me with work or anything like that. So uh, playing a lot of golf, which is actually kind of taking the place of soccer a little bit, which has been mm-hmm. fun. Um, but other than that, you know, things have been things have been pretty good. So. Great, great. Um, so I first would love to start out and just like talk about your story, how you be- became an MLS player and just your like experience in college and your, that whole. Yeah, absolutely. So for school, um, spent four years, played college soccer there. And, you know, my, my path to MLS was, was, I would say probably pretty, normal for an undrafted free agent. Um, I was in the middle of, of my second semester of my senior year, um, you know, because like I said, I didn't get drafted. So I was picked up essentially as a free agent by DC United. So I joined them uh, two or three weeks into their preseason. So I met with them back in DC. I believe it was, I was probably beginning of April. Yeah, probably, I think it was, yeah, beginning of April, met with D.C., um, out, flew out to D.C., had basically like a kind of a, a week and a half, week trial period, and then you know, spent the rest of the preseason with them. So we were able to go down to Mexico and, and you know, just Charleston at the time and, and some time and, in, in, you know, more time in D.C. And luckily enough, I was able to perform at a, at a good enough level where they wanted to sign me. So, um, you know, that was an awesome awesome period an awesome time like i said i didn't really have any other trials with any other teams i just went straight with dc and and like i said did well enough in their preseason that that they offered me a a contract so awesome yeah um so you spent a year at dc and then you went back and you started coaching so you spent for example you spent a year coaching at your alma mater university of kentucky as an assistant coach can you talk a little bit about that too yeah that was that was an awesome experience i was able to have to see the the other side of what goes into to college soccer you know as as a player you really only focus on on playing and in school so you don't really see everything that goes into the planning and and the recruiting process and getting ready for a season and scheduling. So that was, that was a really good experience to see the more behind the scenes of, of what college soccer is like. So, you know, I was able to work closely with our head coach, uh, the new head coach at the time, Johan Sedergren, and, and actually another player that I played with while I was at, at, at Kentucky, Marcos DeSantos was the, um, 
uh, what was it, the graduate assistant. So he he handled a lot of the booking the hotels and travel and making sure we you know had places to eat. So that, on the road, so that was that was a, a good experience to be able to kind of like I said, see what what goes on behind the scenes and and learn more specifically, you know how teams recruit in college. You know, I, I went through that recruiting process myself, but to see how you plan and, and really prepare to replace senior classes or people that leave with, with upcoming you know, freshmen and things like that and how to find the best players and, and uh, divvy up the, the small amount of scholarships that they, that you know, D1 soccer programs have was, 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 was interesting to say the least. Awesome. And, through that experience, did you learn about more of the relationship between Major League Soccer and college soccer? Yeah, you know, it's the, the relationship between college soccer and, and, and the MLS is, is, is pretty unique. And, and the reason is, you know, when you look at how MLS teams build a roster or really help improve the roster, you know, very it's a very very small portion comes from college soccer players right um and i think that's that's a interesting way to look at it because you look at other sports like basketball or football and and those drafts and those recruiting processes out of college are, are significant right you know if you if you go in the first round of the nfl draft you become a millionaire basically overnight right and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately that's not <laughs> that's not the same thing for the MLS you know basically if you're drafting the MLS unless if you have a generation in deed contract um, or you're a homegrown player it's it's a glorified imitation of preseason right mm-hmm. there's no signing bonuses there's no lucrative deals waiting for you so um, you know so f- when you look at college soccer as a whole I would probably say maybe the top 10 to top 15 teams in the country are the ones that are kind of staples that do a really good job of preparing you for the next level. And then the rest are not saying that they're not good programs or they're not competitive or, or top level college programs. But the reality is, is they just don't, you know, college soccer just doesn't do a good job of preparing players for the next level it's not you know it's really just not apples to apples and the biggest reason is 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 the the rules involved with college soccer and the season's only two and a half maybe three months long where mls season is eight seven months long right so it's it's the that time frame is huge and that's a big difference to having to compete at a high level and and when I was playing, I mean, again, that was 10 years ago, but we always talk about the, the rookie slump. You get basically that July period into the season and the rookies get burned out. And the reason is they've never had to play longer and compete and stay focused at a longer, at a high level longer than that for, you know, at that basically that four month time frame into the season. So, you know, you get to that point, you're like, Oh, I've never had to, do this before I've never had to focus for this long before without a significant break so it's hard to stay at peak performance when you've never done it before right Mm -hmm. so that's I I would say that's probably the biggest disadvantage and then you know off season in college is a lot different where 
you know, that off season is, let's just call it November until basically the following fall. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you have, you have your, you have your spring season, which maybe lasts a month, but it doesn't mean anything. And you know, you get a couple competitive games in there, but it's not like it's a conference playoff or a NC tournament game. So yeah, it's competitive, but it's a much lower level of com- uh, competitiveness than, than your regular season games. And then for, you know, first part of the spring, you're only allowed to train with the ball unless it's, they change the rules, but you're only allowed to play with the ball for two hours a week. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what, what sport you can really play and really improve on as a team without, you know, playing and using the main part of your sport for two hours a week. So, so it's basically just running and lifting for half the spring. So, but you know, that, that's why uh, going back to your question, I, I feel like it's just, it's tough to make that transition and be successful straight out of college and, and do well at a, at a high level in MLF. Yeah, so that's all like really good points and stuff. Do you think injury also is a portion of it? You talked about the going from like two and a half month seasons to like a seven month season. Do you, is injury then a component as well? I don't think so. I think you get little nicks and and you bangs here and there. Um, and the biggest reason is you've got enough resources at the professional level that you're going to be taken care of. And, you know, most guys coming out of college are 19 to 21, 22. So, you know, being a little bit younger and the body can take a little bit more. And now, if, obviously, if they're a little bit older trying to do that, you're probably going to pull up, pull, you're probably going to get a couple injuries here and there that might not be as common. But I didn't have, other than concussions, uh, you know, I didn't have a ton of issues with with injuries other than maybe a little you know a nick here a, a small pulled muscle here so it's not it's not I don't think that's a big big problem mm-hmm. yeah um so you touched on this a little bit but how have things changed with the role of college soccer in the major league soccer since you were a player do you see the pl- MLS teams valuing them less or more or do you you know, I think it's a probably even maybe from what I've seen a little less, especially now with the development of or the 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 having the academy teams. I think those are huge and I, definitely in a step in the right direction. Uh, and the reason is, you know, if you've got an academy player that maybe spends a year in college, but they've already had a chance to train on a consistent base with a basis with the pro team or with the first team and, and be in a competitive training environment for a few years before they get into college. I think that gives those kids a huge advantage, you know, uh, and the biggest reason is, you know, when you look at the difference between the, just the, the strict difference between college and professional is, you know, the level of play is, you know, everybody, everybody is good and you, everybody is fighting for, a job it's not you know here okay yeah you're we've got you know SMU this week and then we play our game and everybody goes to class and you know we win that's fine we lose you know we'll be upset for a few hours and then move on and go to a party and it's you know whatever so um where at MLS you know you're fighting and you're trying to take a position away from a guy that this is how he feeds his family right so it's it's much more it's much more serious and it's much more competitive because guys understand 
you know, if I get cut or if I don't play well, you know, I'm going to have to move my family to a different city or I'm going to have to find another job. So, and you just can't replicate that at the college level. So, you know, that's hard to do. Um, and you look at the training side of it too. You know, in college, you know, outside of maybe again, that top 20, 15, 20 teams, you know, you're probably going to have, you know, maybe you're starting 11 to 15 guys are, you know, really quality players. And there's probably a drop off from there where at an MLS, you know, everybody on your team is going to be, is going to be quality, right? Everybody's going to be able to play. So it makes it harder that way. So, um, so I think, especially with the Academy teams, if you can you know, start to instill a, a really good training philosophy and a routine and, and playing at a competitive, a high level competitive environment that is going to separate them but you know like I said when I was going through that process it wasn't anything like that you know we would maybe get our the most competitive games we would get would happen two or three times a year at regionals or at the time there was Y League so um, um, so that is that was tough right where with the academies you have your you, know, you can go out and play other academy teams, so it makes it a lot, a lot better. It makes helps you prepare you more, but it's still like I think the system still needs to change to help prepare younger people to get to the next level, right? And because not everybody can play academy, like for example, here in Ohio, right? All we have, well, it's a little bit better now because you got that FC Cincinnati, but up until a couple of years ago, it was just the crew. So, you know, when you've got really good players in Cleveland, Ohio, you know, it's hard for them to, you know, you know hey, the crew's like, okay, well, come play for our academy. Well, I got to drive two hours a week, plus I got school and this and that. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get kids that are in Cleveland or not around an academy team to prepare them for that. So, so one thing that I really took out of that is just kind of, giving um, younger players the opportunity to play and compete at high levels. And so like mm -hmm. over the weekend, we saw 15 players under the age of 23 have a goal and an assist in the MLS. So, yeah. so we're starting to see like um, players get that, get those opportunities to compete. So what are your thoughts on just throwing younger players, academy players, homegrown player, I guess home, homegrown academy players or, college draft picks into games and just seeing what they can do. I mean, I love that idea. And I think, you know, that, you know, you, I can only speak for, for what I've experienced. And I think you also have to, you know, I, I think that's a great idea. I think that'll definitely help, but you also have to find the right system or environment that'll allow that to happen. You know, you're going to have some coaches that are biased towards veterans and you're going to have some coaches that are biased towards youth, right? You know, here's your chance. Take it. If you do well, great. If you don't, you know, you had a chance. So it, it's all about getting that chance and taking advantage of it and finding that you know, hopefully you're going to be a part of a, a system or an organization that allows that. You know, you look at, for example, right now, DC United, you know, they, I think they just had to academy players the last week or two weeks or sometime recently that 
had made their first team debuts or debuts in in league games, right? And I think that's a huge a huge testament to Ben Olson, who's the coach there, who his first season coaching was my 2010 when I was in D.C. And he's one of those guys that he will give young players a shot, right? Here's your chance. I don't care if you're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Here's your shot. I think you can play. Go take it, right? But they're also, you know, the flip side of that coin is there are also some coaches that, you know, that might not do that, right, who are going to fill a team with veterans. And if they have a bunch of younger guys that are, you know, fighting or, you know, battling some of those veterans, like, ah, you know, maybe I'm just going to stick with that veteran player because he's been there. So so I, I absolutely agree that, hey, if you're a 16-year-old that can play, who cares if you're 16? Right. You look at you look at Messi, for example. I mean, he made his debut for Barcelona when he was what 17, and now he's the best player in the world. I mean, I think obviously his 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 uh, experience is going to be a lot different than than others. But I mean, even Christian Pulisic. I mean, like he's now what one of the best players for Chelsea, and it's just because he at a young age he was put in an environment that is you can't find. I just don't think you can replicate right now in the U.S. So I, I 100% agree with that. If, if you're a younger player, give them a chance. And, you know, if they don't take that chance, that's on them, right? Or if they're not, they don't have the ability to do the or play at a high level or right now, that's on them. Let them get better. But you at least got to, you have to test them, right? You have to test younger players and see if they can, they can, fight and battle and, and play at a high level. But if you never test them, you won't ever know. You know, won't ever know. So yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen so Daryl DK from Orlando City, he's played in three games for in the season so far and he scored three goals and has two assists. And he was mm -hmm. in the this past draft class, which is awesome. But then you have a lot of other players that come in through the MLS super draft and then they maybe sign a deal, but then they're either maybe make the 18 roster or they get loaned out. So could you yeah. talk a little bit about just like the idea of loaning out your youth players just to get games? Yeah, I don't think that's a bad, I mean, if you're, if you're gonna develop a player hundred percent, right. And that goes back to, you know, we gave this player a shot. We see the potential, but he's not ready yet perfect loan them out to loan them out to a usl team or, or whoever it might be and and then let them develop and i think a, a perfect example of that is a really close friend of mine justin morrow he's up in toronto right now arguably the best left back in the league and that is a situation that he went through right he was drafted in the mls i think second round in 2010 and went to san jose you know, was kind of fighting to get in the 18, not really making it every week, and they loaned him out. And then, you know, I think to Fort Lauderdale at the time. Yeah, I think it was to Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, he was able to now go to Fort Lauderdale, start some games, get some time, get some minutes, get some experience at, you know, at a professional level. Came back to San Jose and then started to play, right? And now then was traded to, I believe it was traded to Toronto after a couple of years. And now he's been to two MLS, MLS Cups, 1-1, all-star team, stint with the national team. So, and I think the biggest reason why he 
was able to get there is because he was able to get some games and get some minutes and get some experience during his loan. When he came back, he had that experience and was able to translate it to the first team for San Jose. And again, like I said, now he's arguably the best left back in the league uh, and probably one of the best players for Toronto in their club history. So I think that's an absolutely good thing to be able to do. But you know, again, you got to make sure that you're given that opportunity to the right people because you know if it's just somebody that you, know, you don't have any, you don't think can do it, you're wasting that time. But if you see the potential there and, and yeah, we just think this person needs to get some time and get some experience, absolutely is a great, great option. Yeah, um, and I think another thing that with that is just like getting reps is just so important, like any way you yeah. can get it. And even just going from college to USL, you're probably getting a faster pace of play. You're playing against more competitive people and just getting that chance and just kind of getting them acclimated to being a pro even is something very yeah. important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so going off of that, what are your thoughts on players that maybe don't initially straight out of college or get a homegrown deal with major league soccer, but end up getting a deal with USL. So how do you see that role of MLS, like looking at those players in the USL championship or USL league one and trying to bring them up? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's difficult because again, MLS is still trying to grow and they're still trying to be, you know, they're trying to be one of the best leagues in the world. Right. Um, And, you know, again, USL, I would say it's competitive, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be your MLS or it's not going to be like the Premier League or anything like that. So, you know, if you're going to develop those kind of players and bring them to the MLS, I mean, you got to make sure that, again, they're in the right systems and the right opportunities, right? So, I think that the USL is a great option, especially if you're not getting a chance to to have a look at the MLS straight out of college. It's like you said, it's going to get you those reps. It's going to get you that experience, but you also have to be careful that you know you, that you are still searching for those right opportunities inside the MLS, right? So maybe you know, again, if you're if you're working with an agent or whoever, you know, making sure that you're still reaching out and contacting and, and trying to get looks and seen by those MLS teams to get that opportunity to maybe train with the first team or get invited to a preseason because, you know, what can happen is you go to the USL and you're there for four or five years, right? And now you're, <clears throat> you know, if you, you're, let's say you're 21 when you get out of school, you know, now you're 26, 27, and now you're, kind of old <laughs> you're you're not young anymore right so you know though and then that's now you're battling against younger guys that might be coming from other leagues or, or other countries in the MLS so it just makes it hard so you know you definitely have to set a goal for yourself I think if you're going to go the USL route to say okay I'm going to you know, get that experience and then I'm going to really make a hard push to try to get to the MLS after maybe a year or two because if you're you know you wait any longer that that you know, that ship might have sailed, so. Yeah, um, on the flip side of that, um, there are some players, homegrown players in the MLS that have really excelled at playing and they're looking to move on. So for example, we've seen Tyler Adams of the Red Bulls go over to Leipzig. Um, We saw Alfonso Davies who just won a Champions League 
um, and he was playing at Vancouver just a few years ago. And yeah. so recently we're seeing more players like that happening. So Reggie Cannon of FC Dallas is looking to make moves to Portugal possibly in the next few weeks. So what are your thoughts on getting these younger players to take that next step and maybe go looking to Europe? I think it's great. You know, and this is one thing that I, you know, about Jurgen Klinsmann that I loved was him pushing for our best players to go overseas. Um, and again, I understand MLS's will or you know, goal to become one of the best leagues in the world. But the fact of the matter is right now it's not right. And again, development of our players and you look at our national team and you want our, you know, as a national team, we want to, it, you know, it's no longer good to just qualify for the world cup. Right. I think it's, even if we didn't do that for the last one, but I think it's yeah, as a country and expectations, you know, we want to be making the knockout, knockout stages. And in order to do that, it's the same idea as it would be for college moving into MLS or right. You want to surround yourself and you want to play at the highest level. And in order to do that, you have to go to Europe. You have to go to the Premier League. You have to go to Germany. You have to go to Italy, you know, Spain, wherever it might be. And the reason for is that's where the best players are. I mean, that's, you know, that's not nothing against the MLS. That's just a fact. Right. And that's why you look at, you know, guys like Pulsic that are in the, Premier League right now and he's excelling I mean he's at Chelsea one of the biggest clubs in the world and he is I mean if you watched the last if you've seen the last you know four or five games with Chelsea he was by far one of the best players on the field right and that didn't happen because he spent his years in MLS that happened because he was in Germany and he was training at a high level with grown guys from the time he was 15 16 and on and I think you have to do that right now until MLS gets to a point where it says, okay, well, MLS is one of the top leagues in the world with some of the best players in the world. And that's how you're going to compete. Right. But the, the, I think when you look at our national team right now and a lot of them being the MLS base, yeah, that's great. But then when you play guys that are playing in Germany, England, or in Germany, in England, in France, in Italy, in Spain, and they're playing against the top players in the world week in and week out. And then you throw our national team into that and say, okay, go compete with these guys. It's hard to do. You can't, I mean, that's like throwing, you know, that's, that's like throwing a, a rookie college kid into a playoff game in the MLS and saying, okay, we expect you to win. I mean, yeah, well, that kid probably can compete, but at some point he's, he's going to be a deer in the headlights because he's never been there before. Right. So I think that's why you, that's a good thing to have, you know, our best players playing in the best leagues in the world, because it's going to get them the experience that they need. Yeah. And also with that, you talked about how um, major league soccer is just not at that level of the top leagues in the world yet. But if you're consistently selling your players on and then they're competing well enough at these leagues, you become more desirable because you are developing these players to be successful. So you're going to get some, higher talent from South America, Mexico, maybe even Europe. And then mm -hmm. you're continually bu building the reputation of your own league in the, in the same yeah, way. Absolutely. absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it, the joke is, you know, MLS is a retirement league, right? Where they've got the guys like Zlatan and, and Rooney that'll come here, you know, Kaká that'll come here and, and play and they'll, 
you know, in my opinion, it's not a good look when, you know, guys like Zlatan come here. I mean, for, regardless, he's one of the best players in the world. He's 30, what, mid-30s now. But I feel like if those guys are going to come here, they can't be the best players in the league, right? Mm-hmm. They, 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 they're going to be good, but and they're still going to be who they are, but they can't be – you know, the reason they come here is because, you know, Zlatan can't go to the Premier League and start and be successful right now, right, and be a top goal scorer on a team, right? So, and that's just because it's too competitive there. That's why he left. I mean, he's still doing well in Italy, but I think Italy, you know, is a type of league where, you know, when you look at the Italian style, it's defend, you know, put 11 guys behind the ball and, and play that way. But you know, you, he can't go to England where it's the pace of the game's crazy and he can't, you know, he's not going to play 90 right now so um I, I think you have to <clears throat> have to put and I, I i get the the appeal of that like having rooney on a team or having zlatan on the team or or these big european names but yeah at the same time you can't in my opinion i don't think they can be a staple of a team if you're trying to be the best league in the world and attract the best talent hmm. Definitely. And I think that's all interesting, especially with, so the rumors were going around that Messi's potentially leaving Barcelona and that he could potentially be doing a deal with Manchester City, spend a few years there, and then maybe come over to NYCFC. Um, what are your thoughts on maybe that potentially happening? I mean, I think, again, Messi's, Messi is Messi, right? He's the best player in the world. Um, I'm sure people will argue with me on that as far as him or Ronaldo, but if I just don't see Messi coming to the league right now because it, it wouldn't, it still wouldn't be fair, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think Messi still has, he's, even though he's, I feel like he's been playing forever. Um, he's only 33, maybe? Yeah, 33. 33. Yeah, so he's still young. I think he still has a few years left, but I would understand if he went to Man City first for three or, you know, two or three more years. And then if he came to MLS, but it's kind of the same idea, right? Is he's, he's winding down his career, not ramping it up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and I, I think if he came to MLS, it would just be, you know, it would be like a Sunday afternoon kick around for him. But again, mm-hmm. that's, you know, he's, he's on a whole other planet by himself. So, um, would it be a, would it be huge for the league? Hundred percent. I mean, I think the the again, the, it's it's the appeal of having Messi on a team, but you know, everything that comes along with it is okay. If Messi's here, does he does other does that drive to have other players come here as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Just having that that like we he we we saw at the towards the end of his Barcelona career, it's kind of their idea was just get the ball to him and not kind mm-hmm. of build like the whole team instead of it was just yeah. kind of focus on him. So wherever he ends up, if he ends up in the MLS in three or four years, maybe it's, it can't be just completely focused on him. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, how are you going to build the team around him or is it, you're going to, it's going to be messy. You're going to spend all your money on messy and then you're going to have, 10 rookies or 10 guys that have been in the league for five years. Right. So it's, it, it, I think it's great. Would it be good look for the league? Would it drive a lot of publicity and probably a lot of revenue? Absolutely. But again, long-term building a successful team or building a successful league, is it really going to help? I mean, I, I think that the question that would answer that is if he brings or motivates other younger players to come here as well. So. 
Yeah. So Messi's probably not going to come for at least a couple years, but we, in the off season, we got Chicharito going to the LA galaxy. And when he came, he said that this was the start to his retirement. And I mean, granted, we've only seen him play about three games, I believe before he got injured. And so he's been out for a while now too. So what are your thoughts on him coming into major league soccer? I think that's great. I mean, I, again, I kind of feel like for Chicharito's kind of same thing. Like he's been everywhere in the world. He's played at some really big clubs. And, you know, when he, when I read about him coming to the league, I didn't even know where he was playing at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I feel like it's one of those, again, where it's a good look. It'll try, it'll probably drive a lot of ticket sales, especially in LA because of the Hispanic population there. But at the same time, was the, I mean, is that on a scale of signings worldwide trying to be the best league in the world? Is that a big signing? Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't, I mean, I guess. But I think, again, you need some younger middle of their beginning of their prime, middle of their you know, prime players to come here to really make the league better. Right, you're gonna need you're gonna need not only youth, but you know, guys in their prime that are top top players in the world come here to play. I mean, again, like I said, I I had no idea where Chicharito was playing. At, it was it in Mexico? Was, was he? I'm I'm not even sure. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I it's not like we signed them saying, okay, Chicharito, middle of his prime. We just signed him from Man City, or we just signed him from United, right? So it's it's uh, yeah, it's great for the league, and it'll help push us forward but is it really a big is it a game changer I don't, I, I don't think so yeah so you're what I'm getting is like you're kind of for like those like 25 26 year old players coming into the league and then them kind of raising the level of play so like for yeah. example so for example like Christian Pavone for LA Galaxy mm -hmm. yeah exactly I mean I would be that would be huge right mm -hmm. I mean I think that's 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 what you need that you need guys that are they're like that and that are like Pulisic and like that are in the middle of their careers that are doing well in Europe to come here and say okay we know that you know, we're going to continue to get better and make this league grow and bring and other better top class or world-class players are going to come here as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely well that's all like I have for you is there anything that you want to let my listeners know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think the MLS has, has a lot of potential to do some really great things. I mean, there absolutely needs to be, I think, some changes. And I think we, you know, we, we've talked about it as well as I think the playoff system is, you know, it's playoffs, but how much does that really drive competition in the league, right? I mean, does it, if you're just fighting to get into the playoffs and make that, does it really help? the league get better right yeah i know I, uh, I i read on twitter all the time and in other places is you know the the positives of relegation you know whether it's with usl or whatnot and does that make sense and can that help drive the league to get better and you know the way the league is structured and you know it's there's a lot of things that need to improve upon for the league I think to get better and I think they're making the steps in the right direction if you look at the news the collective bargaining agreement um, that they have but you know it's hard you know the league you know, 
when you when you compare it to like England, for example, right? <clears throat> Those guys don't have to, you know, the, the maximum amount they travel is, I mean, I don't know, but you know, going from United, you know, Man City to United is not hard, or from Chelsea to United, you know, those, those, that traveling's decent, you know. Whereas, you know, LA, you got to fly out to DC, right? And you know, you're probably doing that on a commercial flight, and that's not easy, you know, still playing on turf. That's, I mean, I get Seattle and Portland and the amount of rain they get, but you know, to play, to have to play on turf is, you know, that beats your body up, especially if you're, if you're older. So there's you know, stuff like that where I think the league can do a lot of, uh, there's still work to be had and, and, and the MLS is still a young league and it definitely can do it, but, you know, they definitely have to make some, some changes to continue to move in that direction. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Barry, for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you asking me to be on, and it was uh, great to talk a little bit about some new yeah. soccer stuff with you. Thank you to Barry Rice for joining me on the show. And thank you for listening to the Number 10 Podcast. Please be sure to listen, rate, review, and share with your friends. Till next time.